Stabcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Mindy. And we're here for part two of our top ten favorite horror relationships and our and top, top ten, ten most toxic relationships. Yes. And uh, so we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly of everything with love. Yep. And this is part two. So if you haven't seen part one, go ahead and turn this off and go to part one. This is part two. Yes. Now, do you have your list before... Uh, we get through four to one here? Yes. You have ten to five? Yes. All right. Why don't you give everybody your ten to five for best horror relationship? Okay. My ten to five was Julian Ray, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Tommy Jarvis and Chris Jarvis, uh, Friday 4, the final Friday. Number eight was Nancy and Glenn, Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street, the original. Number seven was Andy and Kyle, Child's Play Entire Franchise. And number six was Ian McKinley, a.k.a. MCR, and Aaron Ulmer, a.k.a. Misery Business. And yes. number five was R and Julie from Warm Body. Yes. Oh, and I'm sorry. Number four was from, uh, number six was from um, Final Destination 3. Yes. Now, for favorite relationships, I had Chad and Mindy. I had uh, from Scream. I had Jenny and Paul from Friday the 13th, Part 2. I had Eric and Andrew from Knock at the Cabin. And I had Sydney and Derek from uh, Scream 2. And I had Ed and Lorraine Warren from The Contract. Now, what were your 10 to 5 toxic relationships? All right. My 10 to 5 toxic relationships were... The whole fucking family in, Her- in Hereditary, Needy and Jennifer and Jennifer's body, Barry and Helen and I know what you did last summer, Billy and Chris and Carrie. Number six was Chucky and Tiffany and the Chucky franchise. Number five was Bailey and family. Number um, first stream six. Okay. Daniel, why don't you go ahead and give us your one through or ten through five toxic relationships. All right. I had Billy and Sydney from Scream. I had Chucky and Tiffany. I had Jack and Wendy Torrance from The Shining. I had Carrie and her mother. I had uh, Alex and Grace from Ready or Not. And I had Micah and Katie from Paranormal Activity 1. Very good. So to hop right in here and uh, to just in case you missed part one, uh, any relationship is on the line here. So it can be couples, parents, you know, brother, sister, any sibling, friendships, you know, any type of relationship is on the board here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and hit with my number, uh, my number four. And that's Chris and Rose from Get Out. 
Are you going for toxic? Toxic. Okay. Yeah. We'll start with toxic. This All right. Time. And what's your reason? Kristen, uh, I mean, she drinks milk and eats the cereal separate. If that doesn't tell you anything, and she allures black men so her family can kill them. If there isn't anything more toxic than that, I don't know what there is. She's a crazy chick. Uh, this she is, definitely got what she deserves. This was a breakout role for this guy, and he did really good as Chris. And Jordan Peele, this is his breakout as a director. So it's a great movie, and everyone loves Get Out, including myself. But these two, she seems like a nice, loving girlfriend, and she plays the role pretty well for the first half of the movie. But once she goes, or once it's revealed she's nuts, she is nuts. Yeah. So, uh, I don't, I don't think you can get any more toxic. No. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah, and the way her family, and she gets fucked up at the end, and it's good, and she played it well, but she's a good sociopath. She tried so hard when she saw the police siren. She tried so hard to convince them that he was the bad guy because he was black, and she thought she won, and then his fucking friend came out of the car. So, shit. Yeah. So. Exactly. So that's my number four for Toxic. Okay. What's your um, number four? My number four for Toxic has to be Norman Bates and his mother. You don't that's get no more one. Toxic than that. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the man killed for his mother time and time and time again. And then when she died, he stored her body and then pretended to be her. And, you know, this this list about 15, 20 years ago, it could still make the list because of Psycho and how influential it is. And it really does dive deep into that relationship with his mother and how he was kind of like in love with her. But like you really like Bates Hotel. But that's what, that's what I'm getting to here. Right? Okay. Because I'm, I'm saying from the actual movies. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. No, and that's what I'm saying where you can still put this on the list because of those movies. You, it, it can get, still guaranteed be on the list. But now we have even more context and we have about how many, seven, eight seasons of a show really diving deep into that specific relation. That's the main plot of the fucking show. And it's him becoming that in that infatuation and that fucking weird dynamic they have. So, and, and it's played by the woman from The Conjuring, who, who does a great job. Yeah, Isn't it, right? Yep, the one that plays Chloe Warren? Yeah. Yeah, that's the Samiga. Yeah. So, uh, She's also an orphan. Yeah, so she does, she does a great job. Norman, obviously, he, Freddie Highmore is a great actor. And, uh, but even in the movies, fucking anything from the Vince, except for the Vince Vaughn shit, the relationship is explored. Yeah, just so you know, guys, when we say stuff, unless we say remake, we don't mean the remake. Yeah, only in really, really specific situations. Yeah. So, I thought it was done very well in all media, and I agree with you, the movies are enough, but I think it's cool that you have a show. Yeah. Hey, some people will still be like, well, we've never heard a fly. Mm-hmm. And that's in the end. And that movie, I'm sorry, that movie is fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's the first black and white movie from horror to actually get my attention. I feel you. Because it took me a while to be okay with black and white horror. Yeah. And I saw that. And, um, That's a fucking bonafide <clears throat> classic, though. It, it really is. And Jamie Lee's mother did such a great job in the beginning. Amazing job on all aspects. I think, who was it, Hitchcock that wrote it? Yes. I think he had it in the head. He at least directed it. I really, I, I really enjoyed it. Yes. And I would really say that this is a very toxic relationship. 
not just from like the show, but from the movies, but you are right. The show does devil deeper into it and shows us how much more of a toxic relationship it is, which is why it made my list. Yeah, I agree with you. So All now right. we're moving on to the greatest relationship. Daniel, do you have your number four ready for us? Yes, I do. And this one is a little bit more of a comedic take, but it's still a nice relationship. I have uh, Columbus and Wichita from Zombieland. Okay. Okay. Because uh, I know there's not a whole lot of Jesse Eisenberg fans. I think, well, he does have a huge fan base. But in certain roles, I've loved him as an actor. That's why he let me down so much as Lex Luthor. But in everything else, I think he's fucking awesome, and including this. It depends. And Emma Stone's a great. She can work with anything. She is amazing. So she can do anything. So And Abigail Breslin is really good, too. She's good, and fucking Woody House, that whole cast is awesome. Yeah. And then Bill Murray in his cameo. They did an amazing so job. It's fucking, that movie's great. But th- these two is like the heart and the kind con- not I- I'd say the little kids more the heart, but they're like the romantic angle and the relationship of it and seeing them kind of learn a little bit about each other. But she doesn't, and it's a cool take on the apocalypse because even though it's supposed to be funny and stuff, she really doesn't want to learn a lot about people because she knows she's going to lose them. That's why she wants to, you know, stay on the name, like talk with the, or maybe it's his idea to do the Yeah, you remember states. the whole... Remember the movie that we watched, Birdhouse? Yeah. Or whatever. It's kind of like that, how she was with the kids. Yeah. She wouldn't let them call her mother. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really give them names besides him and her. Yeah. And when she was asked why, she said, because when you give people names and meaning, it makes it, lose, it, makes it harder to lose them. Exactly. Bird Box, yeah. But uh, that's a great example. It is. And I, I think that it works here for a multitude of different ways. And uh, I don't know. There's just something about it that I enjoy. I think it's a relationship that I can buy into. I, uh, the fact that, and she's the tough one and he's kind of a pussy. I always like those dynamics. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but he's also like the smart one and helps him get out of situations. So they're kind of a good duo. Yeah. And uh, they're like, she's protecting her little sister and he's just like trying to fucking make it. Exactly. And, uh, they're good together. They are. They're very, very good together. I, I like that choice. I like that it's in hand. Very good. All right. Who's your number four for best? My number four for best is going to be the family and us. Okay. Because in my mind, like I told you before, a family that kills together stays together. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, the mother, we find out, is probably not the real mom at the end. We find that out and everything. But, I mean, when you're in the movie and you don't know about the swap, that's the dynamic I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, they really fucking fought and got hurt bad. Yeah, they did. And I remember when the girl and the father were fucking arguing over how many people they killed. <laughs> He's like, I took out three. He's like, I took out four. Like, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, shout fucking bravadoing with your daughter but it was just it was a really wholesome relationship especially when they were driving to the cabin and they were singing i got five on it yeah that was that was cute that was really cute i liked that i liked the way that they stood up for each other too i liked the way that the father came out and was like well we're not who you want to fuck with yeah like get out of here and the fascinating thing about this is that it's one of those that could be toxic too because of the background with her, right? Mm-hmm. 
the fact that she's not written the big twist at the end, that it was the doppelganger the whole time. But they do have a sweet relationship, and that is a real relationship. Even though she's, like, from this other world that kind of snatched his real – but they, all he's ever known is her, so that is, like, I don't know. It's a cool – it's a fascinating take. It's a cool concept, too, because, like, you wouldn't think that somebody who lived underground all, almost all their lives would have that kind of chemistry with the human. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she was able to find me and have chemistry with him and give birth to children, I find that very fascinating. Oh, it's super fascinating. That's why I really like Us. Yeah, Us was a fantastic movie. But I would definitely have to say, like, yes, you said it could go into toxic, but I would definitely have to say no, it's my greatest relationship. The thing is, is it deserves greatest way more than toxic because nothing about how they treat each other is toxic. Yeah. Her background is a little it. toxic, but the way, the way they the are together. And, like, the banter throughout and just them with the kids. And they, that's a that's a living, breathing family that loves each other. And so. also that little boy walking back into the fucking fire. So his doppelganger got caught on fire. That was smart. That was sick. Because he realized that he was going to die. And he realized, though, that his doppelganger was doing the same exact thing that he did. So he started walking backwards because he saw a fire behind the doppelganger. Mm-hmm. And he went right into the fire. And yeah. I thought that was very smart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Karen, you had anything to weigh in? No, I would agree with that. They it was, were a very it was a very good relationship. He's a good actor and I like him a lot and he's been in a lot of good stuff. He's been in Black Panther and stuff and he's cool. The but boy? No, the the dad of oh, the, the relationship. But I, I, I just like the way they just their banter and so how many, like how they talked about how many people they killed in the building and stuff and with the daughter. The daughter was very funny. The daughter yeah. and the father, you would really think that they were related. Yeah. Because they were very much so on each other's level. Yeah. So it just works. Yeah. Absolutely. It was very convincible that this was a family. Yes. So, Daniel, you want to go on to your top four? No, top Number three. Three. For toxic. Oh, for toxic? We'll go to toxic now? Yes. I have, you're going to love this one. I have Mike and Agnes from Poor Agnes. Oh, uh, Poor Agnes. This is a movie you made me watch for the show about a year ago. And I liked it. There was things I liked. Go back in the archives and listen. It's a fun review. And I did... Uh, a little bit, yeah. There's things I don't like, but the relationship of them too, and like, especially in today's culture, with like fucking with the way that these girls have a lot of these dudes wrapped around their finger. Like, this is the perfect like sub dom like woman man relationship that I've seen in movies. Absolutely. To where she just broke this fucking dude. This is an amazing con. It's an amazing exploration yeah. of Berlin syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up, and by the end of it, he's just, like, would do anything for her, and even though he fucks her over at the end, you know, he... You really, it, he really convinces the audience... Yeah, that he's that not gonna... he really is in love with her. Yeah, so, she, and she does a good job of being this kind of, like, badass sociopath, like, fucking terrible person that's, like, fucking manipulating these people and, and like, manipulating why would you say we're making love with fucking... Yeah, exactly. There's yeah, just, that kind of shit. Yeah, there's stuff about heard that it's a very psychological relationship and I think it, it works for the movie and is it the kind of the backbone of the movie it's the reason it works so yeah. I uh 
My and I don't really like Mike or and no offense to the actor, I don't know his other work, but it's not really my favorite role, but I do think he's a good like kind of pussy type. Mm-hmm. He does good at turning the dicks around. Yeah. So that's a movie I'll probably never make Daniel watch ever again because they know it haunted him. Yeah, I hope not, yeah. But it was still a good movie. Yeah. So we got my number three toxic, which will be, you ready? Yes. Her aunt and Angela from Sleepaway Camp. Now, this is, (laughs) this is a relationship that you don't really get to see, but you get to hear about it. Yeah. Especially in like the second and third ones. Like Daniel just watched the second one the other day, and I know that he knows that a girl got her contact tongue cut off and she said if you can't see anything nice don't say anything at all yeah and she mentioned her aunt so throughout these movies her aunt sticks with her and as screwed up as everything is she still listens to her aunt's voice in her head and in the beginning i'm sorry the aunt in the beginning in the first one is just so she's coming to call and she's so crazy like comedical and creepy at the same time like, it's funny because you can tell she's overacting. Right. But it's creepy because she's overacting. And she's like, I, thought I found a ribbon on my finger. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you want a reward? Like, what the hell did you do that for? So I could remember stuff, but I forgot. Okay. So, like, I would say that it's a very toxic relationship, too, because for people that don't know the series, Anna was a boy. Her aunt did not want another boy. She wanted a little girl and a boy. Yeah. When she got custody of Angela, who I don't know whose real name it was, um, I'm guessing it was Paul because the girl got ran over. But I'm not sure about their names because they were always fucked up. So we'll just go with Paul. But she told Paul, like, I already have a little boy. Another little boy will just not do. So why don't we call you Angela, like Angel, and you can be a little girl. And it's like, how fucked up is that? Because the kid hadn't been older than like five or six years old. Yeah. Like right at the manipulation age. Yeah. And never mind you too, the thing that she forgot were the fucking medical records that she faked to get Angela into summer camp. Because she's a psychologist. Yeah. Because she's a doctor. Yeah. So, it was just, it was crazy to me, and I really feel like that was a toxic relationship. Now, I very well could put Billy and Angela in here as a, as a good relationship, but I didn't, just because I feel like they didn't focus as much on their relationship. No. And, you know, making your kid go drag is pretty toxic. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, you're, you're, you're a doctor, and you're trying to make your niece. Yeah. Wait, that's fucked up. So, all right, Daniel, let me hear it. Number two for your toxic. Uh, it's number three best now. Oh, fuck. Number three best, I have Tommy Jarvis and Megan from Part Six. Okay. Uh, I was going to do the Jarvis family, but once you put them on the list, I, I thought that was covered. Yeah, we enough, did a little so. bit of retribution. Yeah, so 
him and Megan, though, is a cool relationship because this is kind of this dude that's a little kooky. He's been battling Jason since he was a kid. Now he's a badass with a cool motorcycle jacket. And he's got a fancy for the cop's daughter who says cool stuff like he's draining his, his lizard when people are taking a piss. And uh, she's just a badass. The way she, like, really, like, hits the gas when they're in front of the cops and uh, they're in the car and they're trying to get away from them and shit. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, she's equally as badass as he is. And she's, she's like, just trying to have, have fun. Yeah, she's just trying to have fun. And she's she does not give a fuck about nothing. And she's a cool, like, heroine. She reminds me of... Realizes that Jason is real at first. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously her dad dies, and that shit sucks. And her relationship with her dad is also kind of a cool one too, to where he's trying to protect her, but she's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm, I can fend for myself, and she ends up doing that. But her and Tommy just have a cool little, like it, it's more of a, you don't, it's probably not a relationship that lasts, but it's a nice little like romantic, like one night stand for a movie, you know, like they fucking get together, do some like wild shit. Yeah. They, yes, they go together, do some wild shit, they kill this fucking big monster dude, and then they fucking call it a day. And uh, I, I think they're cute together. And, like, she she's, like, as soon as he's in the cell, and she's, like, jail boy and stuff like that. It's just, they're adorable. That's my number three. Okay. Well, my number three, what is it, toxic or? Best. Best? Okay. So, my number three best is going to be Josh and Dalton from the Insidious series. That makes sense. I really like the way that Josh sacrificed himself to find his son. And I also really enjoyed the second part where he was taken over by the Bride in Black and Dalton was able to see that and Dalton was able to go save his father. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually quite excited to go see the fifth one because they're going to go back to Josh and Dalton's relationship. Yeah, the red door looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, and I feel like that would be really fun for us to see together. Yeah, we got to. Um, but I just, I really like their relationship. Insidious isn't really something that I had an interest in at all. And the third one, I'm sorry, everyone says the third one's the best. I disagree. Yeah. I didn't like the third one at all. Kind of put me to sleep. But this that first and second one, Josh and Dalton definitely deserve one of my top spots on greatest relationships. Absolutely. Is that ready to get into toxic? Yes, top two here. All right. My top two toxic. Will you want me to go or? Okay, go, go. All right. Sorry. You're good. Number two is uh, Gemma. It's a a mix. It's a three-way. Well, I don't want to call it that. It's a triple threat. Gemma, Katie, and Megan from Megan. Because I'd say Katie and Megan's relationship is pretty toxic because she's trying to take over this kid. But Gemma does not know how to be a fucking parent and take care of this kid. So that's very toxic. And the whole and her introducing Megan into the kid's life in general is pretty toxic. So it's kind of a take on the Chucky Andy and all that shit. But it's just the fact but that it's she... it's also kind of a take on people having screams yeah. and stuff take care of their children. Yes, and it's also a take that's on... a great example of that. Yeah, and also another thing is it's also one of those monster, you know, you create the monster and it turns against you, Dr. Frankenstein type deal where with Megan to where she she builds this thing and it turns fucking nuts. And Megan basically destroys the <laughs> the relationship with the family and everything in her path for a little bit until... Uh, well, Gemma kind of makes her the mom mm-hmm. and lets her be the mom. Yes. 
I mean, the girl's with her two weeks, and she didn't even fucking have her signed up for school. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so. And Katie was a good girl that was just put through a lot of shit. She's like, when it's, this is little girl just went through so much fucking bullshit in this movie. Yeah. With losing her parents, her parents sucked to begin with. Gemma sucks. Everybody around her sucks. And it's just like. And then the one person that, well, the one thing. It's fucking crazy. The main yeah. thing is crazy. Yeah, so I thought it was a fun relationship with all three of them. And uh, okay. then Gemma finally learns, oh, I should fucking look at her and pay attention to her for once in a while at the end. So it, it turns out like the relationship might not be toxic at the end. So that's cool. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. And Megan's kind of destroyed, but there'll be a sequel. So. Yeah. All right. What's your number two toxic? My number two toxic along. is Bill Anderson and Kelly from The Basement. Oh, that's Daniel's a good one. going to kill me from bringing up this movie. No, I like it. So back a few years ago, Daniel and me, we would spend every Friday night at my house and we'd watch a couple horror movies. Yes. And we got to the point where we seen so much that we got to the point where we kind of just did like uh, like pick and play. Mm-hmm. Like we went to something that we didn't watch, we didn't know what it was and we just played it. It was called The Basement and it has Misha Barton in it and she is the wife of a famous band leader and you find out later that she actually sets this whole thing up. He gets kidnapped yeah. by who happens to be Bill Anderson, who is a serial killer, who is also her twin fucking brother. She got her twin to take out her fucking her fucking husband. And he put him through the ringer, guys. He made him eat his own teeth. Like, this guy put on the performance of his life. Like, he pretended to be his mother and gave him a fucking razor to break out. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. Like, honestly, it was it was really crazy. By the time we got to the teeth part, when he made him eat his own teeth, like, we couldn't turn it off. We wanted to. Yeah. But we couldn't. It no, was at that good. point that we just, it was at that point where we were like, oh, shit. Like, now we can't turn it off. We're too invested now. Yes. And honestly, I'm glad that we stuck with it because that was such an amazing ending. Oh, and that's what's cool about this relationship is it doesn't resonate until the last five minutes. Exactly. And, le- and then you can go back on the rewatch and then you can really appreciate the relationship and see what the brother's doing. But you don't know it's a brother till the last fucking five minutes. So that's what makes it work so much. And then when it's revealed that it's like, oh, all this makes sense. And he's like this crazy dude that's fucking doing this for her. And it's like it's a favor. He's a serial killer anyway, and she's calling it a favor. Yeah. And and that and it is yes, it's toxic, but it's also kind of, no, it's not healthy at all. But it's also like they do get along. But but it's also like he's just he's doing her dirty work, and then she's like, take out the trash on your way out, and he and it's presumed that he does so. And that's you know. her best friend is the trash. Yeah. Because they, their best friend is sleeping with their husband. And it's funny because even though you think this dude's a cold cow, and by the way, this guy. And I'm not trying to talk more about him than her because she plays a really good damsel in distress. Oh, I did. Tell me what you're talking about. But no, this guy carries the fucking movie. Oh, absolutely. Because he becomes a character actor by being the dad, the mom, who's a real one. We've talked about it numerous times. But fucking everything that he does in this movie 
It's just character. Amazing job. The character acting in this movie is perfect. And yeah. it's what carries it. And the the dude being panicked in the chair helps too. But him just fucking doing his shit. Well, he even said something about him being in acting classes. Yeah. Well, so, it makes sense. And I really feel like that's what helps the character in this movie. Yeah, because if you have. Anybody else, it's one of those movies to where you have movies that are, like, carried by people, and then you have movies that are, like, you can put this guy with somebody else and it's still a good movie. Yeah. I don't know if I could say that with this one. You would have to have a really, another really good actor, because the way he just portrays everything, he's in 80% of the movie, and it's him doing shit. And then at the end, when it's revealed he's this girl's crazy brother, it's like, oh, and then it makes a relationship, like, oh, shit, this is kind of crazy. Exactly, and that's why I put them so high up, because, like, yeah, like you said, like, it doesn't come to play until the very end, but I think that that's what makes the movie I agree. Yeah, it's not a knock on it. I think that's what makes it good, because it's not one of those, every other relationship on the list Mm -hmm. has been a slow build throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Or has been two people that you know, and you know this is what we're working on. You don't know about this at all, and then when it shows up, it's like, oh shit, this makes sense. This makes perfect sense. You watch the whole movie. You watch her suspicions, even though she's still scared about her husband. You ask, you watch the way he acts about people in society and stuff, and it all makes sense. And that's why it's a cool thing. I've never rewatched it, but it makes me excited to rewatch it. We should yeah. go back and watch it. Uh, yeah, but we need to fast forward to the teeth. Yeah, I ain't watching the teeth. But everything, every other part of that movie, and it, like I think, like I agree with you. I think that makes the relationship almost better. Yeah, is that like, you don't I know about it. Yeah, might be even like it on. I think she would too. Because I think, like what you said, like in Bad Agnes with the Berlin syndrome and whatnot, he starts to get that. Yeah, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. The musician, he starts to like cave in and yeah. be like, "What did I do? I'll atone for my sins. I'll do what I need to do." Yeah. So. I would definitely, I would definitely say that it's very toxic. Absolutely. All right, number two best relationship. I have Evelyn and Lee Abbott from A Quiet Place. Oh, Be- all right. Now this is an apocalyptic type movie. This is uh, based on a family, and the, and Emily Blunt and John Krasinski are just like a couple anyway. You know, when everybody wants you to be Mister and Mrs. Fantastic, you know, you're a pretty See, good. I would have picked the father and the daughter. Yeah. Awesome, too. Awesome, too. And the whole family has a great relationship, and I was considering that. But these two really love and care for each other. And the way that – and just seeing in the first one to see what happens to one of their kids and see the effect that it has in them and see that they prepare all this survival stuff and the way they act in this apocalypse where you can't barely talk with their kids. And she's a fucking baby in silence. Yeah, doing all that and raising a family at the same time is a very interesting look at family, and it makes it a unique and awesome movie that I recommend to everybody. I recommend it as long as you're not tired and the lights aren't off. (laughs) Because it's not like it's a boring movie. It's just you get comfortable and you fall asleep. Yeah. Yep. And that was one that I was fucking, don't eat the popcorn. Well, it's not going to be in the movie theater anymore, but. Yeah. Fucking, that's a quiet fucking movie, man. They don't fuck around with the title. Yeah, they really But that relationship, I think, helps drive the movie. And it's just a fun, it's a fun introspective look at family and an apocalypse. And these two people raising, and they seem like the greatest, nicest people on planet Earth, but they obviously have their hardships. So, yeah. Well, my number two greatest relationship, I put Ash and Linda from Evil Dead. Yeah. The original, of course. 
Um, I feel like those two were a very wholesome, really good couple. And she tried really hard to hold on to her soul. Like, the Deadites were trying to get her the entire first movie. And when she was trying really hard <coughs> to stay with Ash. Yeah, I agree. And I really, I, I honestly really like that. And I also like the fact that, again, we have a Kevin movie where they don't try to have sex. Yes. The other characters are, but they're not. And I honestly love a couple that stays PG-13 on the screen. I mean, yeah, I love a good sex scene. Everyone does. Yeah, but, but you don't I don't need it. it in every fucking horror movie. Yeah, it doesn't always need to be processed. And unfortunately, that's how horror movies were mm-hmm. in like the 80s and like the early 2000s as well. It was all pissed and screwing in it. But I don't want to see your titties. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. So. No, I agree with you. And I, I, I think because Ash is such an iconic character, everybody forgets about Linda, but that really is the a couple of that. That's the backbone yes. of the movie, honestly. Because, like, he was a pussy. Yes, he was. In the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was a very big fucking pussy. But Linda kind of made him step up. Turned him into a man. Yeah. All right. All right, Daniel. My number one toxic relationship in all the horror movies, Drumroll. Drumroll. I have Eden and David from The Invitation. 20, all right. 2015, not to get... Uh, caught up with the Dracula Invitation movie with the chick from oh, Game shit. of Thrones. Oh, shit. I don't know what you're talking about. This Wait, is, is this the one on TV or whatever? This was the, the one on Netflix a while ago. I think you and me watched it together. I know you and me definitely watched it. It's what I don't think I watched it. Eden and David are basically bringing... I forgot who the ex-boyfriend of Eden is, but he's uh, invited to this party with several other of their friends, and it turns mm-hmm. out that Eden and David are in like a cult where they plan on killing everybody at the end of the night. Yes! And they really, she does such a good job as someone that was like a nice, normal person and it was a good girl and a good girlfriend and might be able to be saved by the, the main character. But she has gone nuts and she has gone crazy and gotten in too deep with this call. And that David, who also was from Game of Thrones, he played Dario Naharis, I believe. And uh, he fucking just played a really good, like, kind of cold, but he could be a nice guy, so maybe he's just, like, a sweet, like, like getting a cult in that cult vibe is hard to, like, nail as an actor. So the fact that they did it with also, like, no, it's just a party, and everyone's showing up, and no one's getting hurt, and maybe the main character's going nuts, and nothing actually bad's gonna happen. You think that for about 40 minutes of the movie. And then when it does the turn at dinner and stuff, and it finds out people are getting poisoned, and they are killing people, and it's like, oh my god, these people are fucking nuts. And when they when they show everybody the video in the house of, like, somebody just dying, and they're like, it's beautiful, it's love, it's art, and they're like, what the fuck, man? Oh my god, it's like the fucking menu all over again. It, it, it kind of is. I mean, in that one scene, but every, everything about it is just so cold. And that as, that's as toxic as you get a relationship where both people are like deep in this cult and want to bring people together to kill them and kill themselves potentially too. So super toxic. What's your number one? My number one toxic relationship is Jack and Emily Poe from the movie Home Movie. Okay. I've not made Daniel watch this yeah, yet. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this one. Um, it, so basically, the Poe family moves from New York City to up 
state, Western New York, so they can have privacy. Um, the mother is a psychologist. The father is a pastor. And they're twins. Yes. And as they're growing up, they become very, very bad children. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, no, like horrible, awful fucking kids. Okay, like psycho or just bad? Psycho. Okay. Like, they crucify a cat on Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and then and Thanksgiving, like, the father's trying to give a speech and pray to God, and, like, they're just throwing their food on the floor. Yeah. But this doesn't happen until their 10th birthday. They're fine until they have their 10th birthday on Halloween. And then something in their mind just breaks. Yeah. And, like, it's such a fun watch because the children are so reckless. Yeah. Like, they get the camera at the, like, at the end, like, close to the end, and Jack's like, welcome to the Jack and Emily show. Do you think that you could watch it till the end? Yeah. And then they, like, get really bad with the parents and shit. Because they find out, like, their parents are going to send them away. And they don't want that happening. No. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting story. It's a very complex story. It sounds toxic. Um, I would definitely recommend it. It's normally on YouTube without with uh, ads. It's normally free. If it's not on YouTube, I would check Tubi. But it's definitely a fun watch. Yeah. A fun ride. Yes. Uh, all right. Number one best horror movie relationship of all time. All right. This is what you've all been waiting for. I'm going to go first so you have time. Excuse me. <laughs> and we have, I gave Sydney props earlier in the list, but I have to go with the king and queen of slasher movies, at least from the late 90s and up. I got to go with Dewey and Gale. All right. Because to me, that's the perfect relationship upon three movies or well, four movies of just loving each other, getting married, and then obviously leaving each other, kind of ending tragic, and then him dying. That Dewey death in the fifth one, in the and then you new, could tell that she still loved him. She yes, you can tell so much, and that does not mean as much if this relationship isn't as strong throughout yeah. the whole franchise. Yeah. That death doesn't mean a fucking thing if that couple isn't as strong as they are, but they are so strong, and whether you like Gail or not, or Courtney Cox's performance or whatever, and I do, but their relationship. It kind of is the emotional heartbeat of it. Yeah. You always have the final girl shit with Sydney and a boyfriend or a love interest that you know probably ain't going to make it or something's or is going to be the killer or what, something's going to go But you would always depend on Gail and, and Dewey yeah. finding each other. You knew that none of them were the killer. You knew that they were actually there to help Sydney. They were the perfect crew and they like loved each other and that you can tell. And during that first one, you can tell that they fell in love on set like everybody has talked about numerous times. They did fall in love and you can tell the chemistry while they're shooting together and uh, you can tell too how number five was so difficult for them because mm-hmm. we talked about it before that like we put it on a and crying and stuff but like i oh, can't imagine how hard it would be yeah to be in that kind of situation yeah during that whole during that fucking scene that they had where they were talking and they were talking about him going or her going to New York and chasing her dreams and staying back, they kept crying and like the whole cast and crew was crying and it took them a little while to shoot because everybody it was so emotional, and that's how strong that this not only the connection between the two people in the Bond off screen but the connection between the two characters are that it moves so many people like that like that is a real genuine relationship on and off the camera and even though they're not together on and off the camera. It's still like something to look it's back upon. It's funny when she like hits him and she's like, that's 
You tell me in a text? Yeah. It's just, it's a nice, loving, you know, it's, it's, and even the way they left, they still both care for each other and would not wish anything bad on each other. And even though he was in a dark place, like they, they both loved each other. I think that's what was so sad. Yeah. But there was still love in their relationship. It sucks the Dewey went out sad, but it was also, you needed that for the movie. One of them was going to die. It wouldn't have meant as much, like, because people always have that, yeah, fuck you, get a little bit. So they, Dewey needed that. For you to cry in the movie theater like you did, Dewey needed to die. I lose my dad. You ain't crying if Gail dies. No, you're I'm doing right. so. That's a that's a big it's a big relationship. What's your number one? What's the best horror movie relationship of all time? I'm gonna have to go with Samantha and Tara. Holy shit! The new Final Girls from uh, Screen Five and Screen Six. Okay. I really adore their chemistry. You got Ortega and Sam. All right. I think that their chemistry is just amazing. And also, if you put them side by side, they do look like they're related. They do look like they could be sisters. That relationship had a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. And it bringing a new franchise into a new era. It's hard. Without the final girl that made it the best, especially in the second movie. In the first one, they had Sydney in the background to kind of help Carrie, but they were still the main story. But in the second one, they had to do it alone. There was no Sydney to fucking rely on to fucking hold this thing. They were the two final girls that needed to be the movie. And I think they did an amazing job. Everything. The let me go shit and the callback at the end when she lets her go and she said, like, that's the emotional heartbeat of the movie and their relationship and Sam not being able to get past stuff and Tara just wanting to get past stuff and them having to meet in the middle to find that balance on how to move on but also confront their past. Yeah. That that makes the movie and that's what makes it an actual movie. So I completely agree. I lo- and I think they'll be good in the third one. And uh, the, the whole stuff with Sam maybe being a killer, it's another dynamic to her character, but the fact that Tara never believes that shit also makes it mean something, too. Exactly. And I just love the doubt. way that, they, that Tara sticks up with her, sticks yeah. up for her without a doubt, even though Tara's seen her sister do some crazy shit. Yeah. But she still sticks up for her and... Whatever, but I just think the relationship between the two of them is so protective mm-hmm. and also kind of cute. I mean, it could be kind of toxic because Sam's kind of obsessed with Tara, yeah, and keeping her safe. Yeah, but it's but not... at the end of the day, I would feel like that would be more great than toxic. It is because that's more of a sisterly relationship. Yeah, and it's not. It doesn't seem to be obsessive yet. It seems to be just a very nurturing, motherly like. She's going to taste and do it in the nuts if it seems like he's going to sexually... I love that part, guys. I'm going to give you a spoiler. Real quick, Tara Tara was going up the stairs with a jock boy and fucking Chad tried getting involved and Sam comes out of nowhere and she's like, hey, how are you? I'm sorry, this is going to hurt. I have to taste your balls. And she just tastes it in the nuts. (laughs) What the hell? So good. She introduces herself and everything. So good. And I think the fact that the last, because the first movie, you split them up a little bit in the end. You have her kind of in the kitchen and shit with Sydney and and Courtney Cox and stuff and and Amber and stuff. And you have her dealing with Richie. And this second one, that last 30 to 45 minutes is all her and her sister dealing with the fucking killers and all the crazy shit. And that really strengthens the bond between them going through all that together. Everything just from having to kill them to walking out at first, but they lost them and then they dealt with the rest together. And then everything was then them two bonding. So I think that really strengthens the relationship. And that's why they're my number one. Yeah, I can see. I mean, I've always wanted a sister. 
Yeah. And I feel like they really do protect each other. They do. And it's so strong to the fact that it can hold a movie that no one thought it could without its main star. I didn't think it could. I did not think that it was going to be any fucking good. I mean, was it great? No, absolutely not. Was it good? Absolutely yes. Yes, it was a really good a entry really in the screen franchise. And that's two really, really good, good ones good, so far. It was a really good movie. Unfortunately, following the path of the second, first and the second one, I really, really... <laughs> the, the, the seventh the third one, one is not like the third one. It's going to be a Hollywood reboot. Yeah. Like, please, every, anybody out there listening, like, get a hold of Radio Silence. Let them know that we love them. And we'll help you. Yeah, I don't think like, they will. Please don't do it to us, though. Because if I have to sit through another fucking version of Screen 3, I will literally kill myself. No, they won't do that. But carrying a movie without Cindy is very hard, and they did it. So they did it. I, I will have to give it. They deserve a top spot. And it's cool that Scream took the top spot for both of us, because that's what got us into the shit. So uh, that was our uh, top 10, part two of our top 10 horror relationships and toxic relationships. Do you want to know what we're doing next week, Mindy? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and hear us with what we're doing next week. I said the D word earlier. I believe you have the information for the peacock now. So, uh, and if you don't, we'll get it to you. We are going to be yeah, going for, we are going for Nicolas Cage's uh, Dracula. And we're going to be talking about Ron R- Renfield. Renfield. Yay! I get to watch it! Yeah. I watched this movie. I'm going to watch it again, though, obviously. And uh, we're going to get you the information so you can watch it. And then we're going to review it next week. I so. heard it was really, I heard from critics that it was really bad. And then I heard from people it was really good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. There's people that liked it. I have interesting opinions on it. I can't wait to watch it again. And maybe I'll think different on it. So I'm excited to do it. And it was a hot movie this year. And I want to, you know, cover it before it gets too far away. So. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, and uh, why don't you give everybody a big hootie hoo? Check out the TikTok. We'll be doing this on the TikTok at some point next week. Yeah. And uh, doing more top tens and top fives and stuff on the TikTok. And, yeah. Uh, post We're probably going to make it into, like, a series or something. Yeah. So check that out and check this out next week. And All right, guys. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. Separated 